There's never been an interview I've done since then where I haven't been 100% all me. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I'm passionate about. Welcome to the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Each interview, we talk to leaders who differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. These conversations lead to thought-provoking idea sharing and growth accompanied by entertaining storytelling. Welcome along on our journey to lifelong learning, improved performance, and a look inside the competitive mindset. The Greatest Games Podcast interviews coaches of all levels about the greatest games they have ever been a part of. Chris and Brian post two episodes per week that explore these great games and also takes a dive into each coach's journey and some lessons that they have learned along the way. Catch the Greatest Games podcast on all podcast platforms, as well as thegreatestgames.podbean.com. Stephanie Hauser, welcome to the Competitive Mindset. Thanks for having me, Bill. Let's get started right away. We won't waste any time. Walk us through your journey and how it's led you to where you are now at the WIAA. I think like most young people, my journey was, uh, honestly, didn't know what the journey was going to lead me to. I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I knew I wanted to be coach. And I had a lot of people in my lives that were great role models in those areas. And, um, you know, kind of as each, each thing, um, each thing led to another because you always want a new challenge. And so, you know, as I became a teacher and a coach, and I had a lot of years of experience on my belt that way, I felt like I just wanted a new challenge. So it led to administration, athletic administration. When you feel like you've kind of, um, you know, met the challenges and you're looking for something new, you're looking for the next thing. And so it really, truly, my path just led me down this path because I'm always looking for new challenges and new ways to make a difference on a bigger level. And that's what, that's what I'm hoping I'm able to do in this new role. So you mentioned there basically never being satisfied, right? You're never settling in and feeling like the status quo is good enough. So I'm curious with that outlook and always wanting more and always wanting a new challenge and whatever it is, are you able to find joy in the accomplishments that you do take on or is it always on to the next thing? Huh. It's a great question. It's a fair question, but no, absolutely. I, I have, um, I'm a very, very joyful, optimistic, grateful person. And so, you know what, I just, I believe God puts us all on this earth to make a difference in any way that you possibly can. And so I always keep that mentality that I want to keep my eyes wide open and my ears always listening and looking for the next opportunity. But no, I'm always happy where my feet are. Um, But yet I also want to be receptive to the next possible thing. So lots of joy, but also continuing to self-improve and looking for greater opportunities to make a difference. Awesome. Let's rewind a bit then. And tell me about the first time you remember participating in a competition and what from it sticks in your mind. Gosh, I was a little girl. Um, I went to St. John's Catholic School in Anigo, Wisconsin. And I think I was probably a fifth or sixth grader playing on the basketball team. You know, back in those days, we had those really nasty, thick, scratchy uniforms. I remember that. I remember how uncomfortable those were. (laughs) But truly, it it was always just about fun. It was just having fun. Um, At that age, I was not, I guess I wouldn't, wouldn't call myself a true competitor. It wasn't always like I had to win. I really just played sports because it was so much fun. We had a blast and certainly winning was a byproduct. But those are my best memories playing basketball when I was probably middle school grade. 
So you mentioned coaching a little bit before. So I'm curious if you can recall the first coaching moment where you kind of had a light bulb. You're like, wow, yeah, this is what I want to be doing. And here's why. My dad was my high school basketball coach and started playing varsity when I was a sophomore. And I remember that initially it wasn't that that joyful playing for my dad. You know, there were there were times when it was difficult to let things go when we walked through the front doors of our house and certainly some looking back now, some sassy words I'd probably share with my dad that probably weren't very respectful. But by the time I became a senior and I really was getting more mature and really could look at things a little bit more globally, I recognized what an impactful coach he was, not just for me, but for everybody else. And that was when a light bulb went on for me that I thought that being a coach was something that I hoped that I could do someday. When I became a coach, it wasn't until, gosh, I had been doing it for at least five years that I started to get past that stage where I felt like I was trying to prove something to myself and to everybody else. But most young coaches do go through a phase where you think that the scoreboard and the end of the season results are truly how you prove yourself. I heard a really good speaker at a conference. His name is Bruce Brown. He's got a coaching website, Proactive Coaching. And he really talked about, you know, when you get to that point of realizing that it's really not about the wins and losses, you do go through a transition and become a different kind of a coach because you realize that it is so much bigger than the wins and losses and what the scoreboard said. You have an opportunity to really make a difference for a lot of kids' lives. Well, it's interesting because we have to go through that progression in order to learn from it, even though we're told from a young age, it's kind of like, you're going to use math in your life someday, you just have to keep going through it. And yet we refute it. And then someday we get to our professional career. And we're like, yeah, math is really important. This is, you know, the same sort of process, we have to go through it, but we don't want to experience those growing pains, but they're so important to take in. So we can internalize those experiences and then push them out to the others. So yeah, that's always unique um, because we as young coaches want to try to conquer the world and we have to ultimately fail before we can move forward and really progress. So I want to talk to you a little bit about competition. So as a coach, and you just kind of mentioned a little bit of the evolution of worrying about wins and losses rather than worrying about all of the other things that are really important. But with your role now as executive director, how do you compete on a daily basis with that role? Well, first of all, you have to know what you're competing for. You have to you have to know in your own mind what success means. And I think that's that's probably the biggest piece of it is really understanding your own why. If if I understand my own why, why do I do what I do? What is it that motivates me? What is success? How does that define? Then the answers become much more clear and it truly doesn't feel like a competition at all anymore. It, do, it doesn't feel like a competition it's because I know why I do what I do. And that's what drives me on a daily basis because I, I find that intrinsically motivating, I guess. So I guess if there is a competition. It's a competition within myself to just always want to do better and be a better me on every single day. Can we dive into that? Why, if you don't mind, and elaborate on that a little, little bit for us and what it is? I mentioned before that I really believe that we are all here for a very specific reason. We don't know what that is, really. We probably will never know the true answer why we're here on this earth, but there's certain things that you feel so passionate about. And that is something that um, that I've shared with other people is that I feel for so fortunate that I found something that I'm really passionate about, which is education-based athletics. And they actually pay me to do to to lead that. 
and to carry on that message and to fight the good fight to help people understand why high school athletics is different than the collegiate scene, why it is different than professional athletics, what makes education-based athletics so unique. And I am passionate about it. And, and if you know that that's where your passion lies, again, it, it's really easy to do the work because it doesn't feel like work. So when you're competing, whether it's on a daily basis with your staff to provide the best experience for all the student athletes that you have under your umbrella, or you're playing a board game with your family, whatever it is, are you driven by the fear of losing or the joy of winning? Oh, absolutely. The joy of winning. Absolutely. Um, losing to me, I've, I've never been afraid of losing for myself. Um, it's always been the joyfulness that comes with winning, the memories, the feeling. And it's like a euphoria, you know, and you never, ever forget the feeling. Now, I will have to say that when I was a mom, as a mom watching my kids play, you know, especially in high school, when you know they're playing for a state championship, you know it's going to be the last game. Or even before that, when you know that on any given night it could end. Then I would say there was a fearfulness. Oh, gosh, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose, you know. So I think when it was my own children, it might have been a little bit different. But for me, it's always been about winning. That's powerful. Yeah, that's interesting because it's situational and it doesn't always have to be all or nothing, right? It doesn't have to be right. I am competitive and it's by fear or I'm competitive by it's by joy. And, and it may be the situation. That's very interesting. So talking about failure there a bit, what is your favorite failure that you've had in your life that you've learned a life lesson from that you continually use? That's actually an easy one. I've told this story many times. My very first interview for teaching position was in my hometown high school in Antigo, Wisconsin. My chemistry teacher had retired and the varsity volleyball coach had taken a different position. And so both the varsity volleyball position was open and the chemistry position was open. And I, I went into it thinking, well, oh, well I'm absolutely going to get hired for this job. It fits me perfectly. And I, I went in, I felt like I knocked it out of the park. It was a first interview, so I didn't have a lot to compare to. And I didn't get the job. And I remember being so devastated, like playing it over and over and over in my head. What did I say wrong? What did I do wrong? You know, should I have said this instead? And after enough time had passed and I had time to reflect on it, I realized it really comes down to fit. And the fit has to be both ways. Not only does the fit have to be right for them, I have to be the right candidate at the right time, but they also have to be the fit for me. And so I, I approached interviews very differently moving on from that. Um, I, I made up my mind right then and there. I was never going to try to be someone I wasn't or say the right things or say the things I thought they wanted to hear. There's never been an interview I've done since then where I haven't been 100% all me. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I'm passionate about. These are my shortcomings. These are my strengths. And at the end of the day, I know if I don't get the job, it's because it wasn't the right fit for me and they weren't the right fit. I, and they, I wasn't the right fit for them. And so that is a, a failure that I experienced early on in my career. And I really grew from that and I learned a lot. I think that's so important because we, like in an interview situation, for example, you know what the answer should be and you could tell that story of what it should be. But then if you actually become the person who's in that role, you authentically can't carry out those things because they're not your true ideal self. Correct. And if you share your true ideal self and they ultimately don't hire you, you have to be grateful for that. 
I'm so glad that I shared my true self with them because um, had I not, and they hired me, it wouldn't have been a good fit. It would have been, it wouldn't have been a place I, w- I was happy to be at and vice versa. So you mentioned in their reflection or another term for that is mental recall. And this is something that really fascinates me as, you know, as an athlete, we're able to maybe rehearse things in our head or play things out in our head, but we go into situations like an interview or whatever it may be. And we try to rehearse it ahead of time. So we have a little bit more of a comfort level when we get there. Do you know how, why, or where you learned how to do that? Uh, I think it was actually advice that my mom gave me. Um, I don't remember how long ago it was, but she told me that sometimes what she does before she's got something important coming up, she'll just take a walk all by herself to take the distractions away and um, just talk, you know, do some self-talk, talk through, talk through questions you might be asked, but more so really just kind of gathering your own thoughts that the words come out like you, you want them to come out. And so that's something that I've always done when I've got an important, whether it's an interview, whether it's uh, an important uh, we know we just had the area meeting. So before the first area meeting, I took some time by myself. I took a walk and just thought through some things that I wanted to make sure that I conveyed to the membership about about the service that we want to provide and things like that. So um, it's more, you know, I wouldn't call it a rehearsal, but definitely re- a reminder of, of important things that you want to say. And it's it's so true in sports. I'm a huge believer in mental imagery, see it happening, close your eyes, watch it happening. The more that you believe those things will happen, they will happen. If you believe they won't, they aren't going to. If they do, it's by sheer luck then. So it's it's all the preparation and really truly those mind rehearsals. Can you tell me who is a mentor that you have had in your life and a lesson that you have learned from them and you continually use? You know, I, I wish I could give you some famous person or, you know, a coach along the way, but truly it's my mom and my dad, both. And for different reasons. My dad was a coach and a teacher his whole career. He was an official. He coached at multiple levels, multiple different sports. Uh, to this day, he's been retired from teaching for 20 years and he still is the varsity golf coach and he does the PA at the basketball games, you know. So I watched my dad grow up just giving back to his community in so many different ways through school and through coaching. And he's just, he's a role model for me. So proud of who he is. And I, and I hope that I'm even, you know, just a fraction of what my dad has been his whole life. My mom was an inspiration for me in a completely different way. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, worked in the home. However, she had many part-time jobs that she contributed to our family that way. But she was just always there for us as a mom. She provided everything that we needed. She was just a support for us. Certainly, she was always our number one, number one fan in everything that we did. But first and foremost, she was always our supporter. There wasn't pressure. There wasn't disappointment if things didn't go well. She was just always our mom. And she always made sure we knew that we loved. she loved us unconditionally. And she supported us unconditionally. And so I hope that the two pieces of them are, are reflected inside of me as, as a professional, but also as a spouse and as a mom. Yeah, absolutely. And it, obviously proximity is huge because you naturally absorb some of those qualities of them. All right, let's look to the future a bit. So you have a lot of different things going on, but maybe let's try to narrow in on one. Tell me about an upcoming project that you have that you're really excited about and you have a great motivation with. We have a new staff, a new team. 
at the WIAA office. You know, we had some really impactful retirements the past six months with Dave Anderson, our executive director, Wade Lebecki, our deputy director, and then Joan Grollo, who oversaw officials. Between the three of them, there was a, co a combined over 70 years of experience in the WIAA office. And so that is an impactful blow, loss of institutional knowledge and experience. However, the project that we have that we're so excited about is our new team. We've got some new hires, and even with the, the former employees who are there, we have a lot of shifts in responsibilities. And so we have identified some really key areas that we are going to dive in. One of our biggest projects right now is looking at officials, recruitment, and retainment. It is something that is, is impacting all levels, not only in the state of Wisconsin, but across the nation. And we have got, gathered so many incredible ideas already secured partnerships from some very impactful organizations that are assist us in our efforts. But the fresh perspective, the fresh ideas, the new energy in our office is truly inspirational and it just gives you so much optimism with the goals that we've set for this particular initiative. And we know we're going to hit those. So it's exciting. Okay, awesome. Now let's finish a little bit more lighthearted. So I need you to use your imagination a bit. So I'm going to maybe go off the wall here for you. So imagine you're standing in front of a refrigerator and you look inside of that refrigerator. What one item inside of that refrigerator best identifies with who you are as a person and why? Oh, a yo crunch. <laughs> and why? A yo crunch. Okay, because uh, you got just the plain old yogurt on the bottom. It's just plain old, simple vanilla yogurt. That's it. And I'm, I'm a pretty plain person. There's really nothing special about me. I'm just kind of a, um, you know, came from kind of a small town, central Wisconsin, you know, nothing too flashy. But then you've got this stuff on the top that you mix in. And it really, it sweetens it up. It adds a little flavor, a little consistency, a little crunch. It turns it into a whole new thing. And so I feel like, you know, I've got that piece of me too that people don't always see, but there's there's this, there's a spicy, fun, crunchy part that makes the yo crunch a whole different thing to eat. And plus, it's just delicious. And so, you know what? I'm, I'm fun. It's a, a little spicy way to, to jazz up a plain looking yogurt. Perfect. Maybe we can get Dan in to plug some money for that sponsorship for you. That would be a great way to finish it out. Well, Stephanie, thank you for coming on the Competitive Mindset and best of luck moving forward with everything you guys are working on. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. Be sure to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and follow us at Competitive Pod. Competitive Mindset Music was produced by DJ Jojo Moore, and all images were created by Elena Keel. 